Hello, and welcome to One Person's Trash is Our Treasure. I'm your host, Jen. And I'm your host, Rachel. We're a podcast where we talk about underrecognized and underappreciated media. Yeah. Today, we're going to be kind of continuing our theme from uh, last episode. We're going to be talking about fictional pairings we find unromantic. Canon fictional pairings that we find unromantic. Correct. We hope everybody had a great Valentine's Day or mm-hmm. a great Galentine's Day. Yes. And and we decided that, you know, when Valentine's Day was over, we were just going to uh, complain about love. So that's what this episode is. Yep. If you want to find us online, you can find us at our website at onepersonstrashisourtreasure.com. You can also find us on social media on Twitter at Optiot, that's O-P-T-I-O-T, and on Instagram at OptiotPod. We also have a Tumblr. <laughs> we do. Just feel like we should mention that every time until we actually get something up there. Yep. <laughs> so go subscribe and follow us on all of our various platforms. <laughs> Enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody. Just jumping in here because I wanted to give you a heads up. There are a couple mentions of non-consent in the episode. So if that's something you want to steer clear of, then this is just a heads up. Okay. So today, Rachel, we're talking about things that aren't romantic. Why would we want to talk about that? Uh, Because we like complaining. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, so true. (laughs) So we're, we're just going to talk about canon couples mm-hmm. who we don't like. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I started last episode. Okay. I kicked us off. So why don't you do the honors? Okay, so um, starting off, the first couple on my list that I don't really like mm-hmm. is Aladdin and Jasmine. From the Disney movie Aladdin. I want to say, I said to Rachel before we started recording, I had an idea of pretty much what she was going to say in the last episode for ships she liked. And going into this one, I I kind of don't know what she's going to say. I don't know what you're going to say either, but the things that I thought you were going to say in the last episode, you didn't bring up, so. Interesting. So, I think you know that Jasmine is my least favorite of the Disney princesses. Yeah, I kind of, yeah. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Jasmine, but I'm also not a fan at all of Aladdin's character. Mm -hmm. That being said, I do love the movie. It's a great movie. Yeah, the music is great. But (laughs) I think Aladdin's kind of a shithead. Mm -hmm. I think Nick Lang got it right when he was describing the movie Aladdin for their press release where they were announcing that they were going to do the show Twisted. Nick Lang of the production company Team Starkhead. Yeah. In the press release video that they did, they were describing their thoughts on Aladdin and Nick Lang, who was one of the producers of this show, said that um, Aladdin is like the biggest shit in the world. He's the most able-bodied <laughs> man in Agrabah and he's the only one who doesn't have a job. And like, <laughs> of course, that's not exactly what's going on. But like, I yeah. kind but like, mm-hmm. you know, he's... <laughs> Yeah. He doesn't have to steal. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. And he's super entitled. Like, the first thing he was going to do was wish for the genie to make Jasmine love him. Yeah. And then, you there's, know. There's a lot about their relationship that does not sit right with me as an adult. <laughs> yeah. And, like, you know, he didn't. He could have just been like, genie, make me a prince. And then he could have gone to Jasmine and been like, hey, it's me. I'm a prince now. I have a genie. You know, I'm pretty sure she'd be like, that's fucking cool. Yeah, you know? right? But, like, Jasmine was down to not be in that life. And yeah, that literally. She, she would have been cool with it. Exactly. So I just don't find them particularly romantic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> Despite our uh, friendship's strong connection to a whole new world. Yeah. <laughs> or in Disney in general. I just, yes. you know, I... I think Aladdin's kind of a shithead. I think Jasmine is kind of a spoiled brat. Mm-hmm. Like, talk she's about also privilege. Not- she is. Like- <laughs> she's also, I mean, again, <laughs> Jasmine and Twisted is very underrated. She yeah. is so funny and great. But they're not, she's not a particularly well-written character in Aladdin. No, not at all. And there was actually a deleted song that Ellen Menken wrote for her character where she was pretending to be a big spoiled brat to um, turn off Prince Ahmed. Mm-hmm. And that leads up to the scene where Raja bites his ass. Uh-huh. And they left it out, they cut it out of the movie. 
And I'm really disappointed because, you know, Jasmine doesn't have much of a personality other than, I don't want to be a princess anymore. Yeah. But like, <laughs> bitch, do you see what's going on outside your palace walls? <laughs> well, obviously not. But yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, like, just so privileged. Yeah, yeah. Not a well, well-developed well character, not a well-developed relationship. No. Yeah. Great duet. Oh, one of the only Disney duets we have ever gotten. <laughs> yep. And it's great. It is great. Just don't really care for them as a couple. Nope. Okay. So when I was brainstorming for this episode, I kept thinking of, like, obvious ones. Mm-hmm. It was really hard not to, like, just go with obvious ones, although the ones that I'm going with are pretty obvious. I think that a lot of people are wise to uh, the the ridiculousness of How I Met Your Mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's what I want to talk about. Okay. For my, for my first one, it's Ted and Robin. Because fuck that bullshit. Mm-hmm. You, did you watch How I Met Your Mother? No, but you gave me the whole story, so. <laughs> I That sounds like me. Um, it doesn't have to do with Barney and Robin, although, you know, I did love them together. Rewatching that show makes me a little uncomfortable about Barney, but but they were really good together. And uh, Kobe Smulders and Neil Patrick Harris had fantastic chemistry. Mm-hmm. Whoa. And they wrote them really well. They wrote them as being in love with each other for who each other is. And they wrote them as being better together, like be- mm-hmm. being good people and... and that show was on the air for, I want to say, nine years. When a show is on the air for that long, stuff is going to change. Mm-hmm. And when they originally conceived the show and, and they shot the pilot, they knew how they wanted the show to end. And then the show was on for nine years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they went with their original ending, which by the end of those years, didn't feel right anymore to, I think, the majority of the audience Mm -hmm. because Ted and Robin ended up together. And over the course of the seasons, Ted had this, like, weird obsession with his relationship with Robin. he, He had this, like, idealized version of like their relationship and their life what their life together could be and Mm -hmm. he like never let go of it and it was annoying i would watch it with my family and we would roll our eyes at the screen whenever it would be like you know there would be a moment that was like oh surprise ted's Mm -hmm. still in love with robin like he never fucking let go of it she did and she was mostly oblivious to his feelings until you know sometimes when he would like kind of fuck things up or whatever but like it was first of all ted was the most uninteresting character on that show he was the ross yeah (laughs) of how i met your mother and like if you go back and watch friends reruns of friends ross is kind of a a shithead Mm -hmm. um ted is uninteresting and obsessed with like love and it's very like it's just dumb (laughs) And it makes me angry to think about because, like, creative integrity is one thing, but you have to pay attention to what is actually happening Mm -hmm. in the thing that you're creating. A great example of it, I think, is Veronica Mars. In Veronica Mars, the character of Veronica was not supposed to fall in love with the character of Logan. He was just, I don't even know if he was supposed to be a series regular at first. He was just supposed to be an antagonistic force. He was just supposed to be a bully. But in the pilot episode, Rob Thomas, when he watched the episode, he saw the chemistry between those two actors and went, you know what? We're changing directions Mm -hmm. because that's how, like, especially a TV show that goes on for nine years, things change and grow and watching any, like, interviews about it or whatever, it just feels like they had these blinders on Mm -hmm. and they didn't care. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so in the end, it just didn't make sense because... They had Robin sitting in her apartment, like, older and, like, just sad and alone with five dogs. And this this woman who was a career woman who had traveled the world, who loved being sophisticated and fun and, like, that she was just waiting around for Ted Mosby to show up at her doorstep with a fucking blue French horn. What? 
It's, I, I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. It does not do the character of Robin justice. And Ted's character is annoyingly obsessive about her. And it's mm-hmm. like very uncomfortable. Like if I were Robin, I would have been made uncomfortable by it. Mm-hmm. So that's my first couple. <laughs> Yeah, I think that whole idea of planning out the ending of the show Mm -hmm. from the beginning is a really interesting and, you know, I I commend them for attempting it, but you have to grow Mm -hmm. with the show or you have to have yourself railroaded in. Yeah. You know, like you have to have the entire show mapped out. Exactly. Which clearly, there's obviously things you can't change, like if an actor leaves or whatever, but I don't think that happened in that show. No, it didn't. So yeah, I, from what I've heard of it, I'm very uh, unimpressed with how they handled the corner they backed themselves into. That show went on for nine years and it, it started to feel like they were just like winding around things and and what can we do next we'll do this but it it felt that way Mm -hmm. so i assume that's what was going on in the writer's room if that's how you're writing your show and i don't blame you because i don't expect you to have mapped out nine seasons Mm -hmm. in advance but maybe don't expect to end up at the same place that you set out to get to yeah so (laughs) (laughs) the next couple on my list is uh heathcliff and kathy from wuthering heights (laughs) Yeah, okay. Wuthering Heights is a batshit story (laughs) about this little orphan boy who gets taken in by this family and then abused by the older son of the family Mm -hmm. and who is like childhood BFFs with the daughter of the family. And then when the dad who took him in dies, the brother takes over and just abuses this kid to shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, The girl, Kathy, is a spoiled rotten brat who (laughs) i don't know like she's in love with heathcliff but she wants to constantly make him jealous so she goes and marries this little thought boy next door (laughs) and then like heathcliff doesn't like that so heathcliff runs away and then kathy gets married to this other guy but then heathcliff comes back a mysterious billionaire and like (laughs) Then he marries her sister-in-law and abuses her and then has a kid with her and then abuses his kid. And then, like, Kathy dies and then Heathcliff kidnaps her daughter and forces her to marry his son. I I shit you not. That's what this book is about. It is absolutely batshit insane. And yet, time and time again, film adaptations of this novel just paint it as this tragic love story but it's not it's it's insane it Mm. is such trash i can't take this book seriously anymore you know like i love charlotte bronte i love jane Eyre. it's a great book but like (laughs) emily bronte was smoking something i swear to god like (laughs) Kathy turns into a ghost and haunts Heathcliff forever. <laughs> like, but and Heathcliff's still in love with her. Like, it's so weird. And he's such a douchebag. Like, <laughs> I just don't understand how anyone f- could find that romantic. Now, okay. If you listened to our last episode and heard some of the ships that I support, <laughs> you might think, like, you know... Where are you getting off condemning (laughs) condemning Heathcliff for being unhealthy and abusive or whatever? But I will say, as you will learn listening to the ships that I do not like from this episode, uh, there are a couple of things that dudes can do to make me not like them and therefore not support that particular relationship that they're in. Mm -hmm. One strike and you're out. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. And a big one is... I want to say infidelity, but that's not exactly the word. I guess infidelity, like, you know, not being loyal. Like, I mean, that's a good one. <laughs> well, but, but like, it, it's very, a lot of people are forgiving of it, you know? Yeah. So it's also commonly used as a tool in romances to, like, spice things up and, like. Mm-hmm. There's also the, um, the, the sexy woman who shows up and tempts the hero, you mm-hmm. know? Like, no. Yeah. Not, not down for it. You have eyes for no one else. Yeah, like just give me that. <laughs> so yeah, that's all I really have to say on that. Uh, wish fulfillment tune plays. Wish fulfillment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, same. I completely. Yeah. 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 Like. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Uh, my next one 
you actually know this one that I'm going to say because I said that I was going to in our last episode. If you haven't listened to our last episode that we keep referring to, go listen to it. We talk about things we actually like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in our last episode, I mentioned that I was a big fan of the ship Angel and Cordelia from the Buffy the Vampire Slayer universe. I, however, am not a huge fan of Buffy and Angel, mm-hmm. basically the flagship of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer universe. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not by, I'm by no means alone in this, but it's very divisive. And um, I just don't, here's the thing. <laughs> As discussed in the last episode, uh, I don't like broody, angsty heroes. They annoy me. You wouldn't like Heathcliff. <laughs> Probably, he would probably annoy the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. Um, Angel, when he was... Okay, I didn't like the character of Angel on Buffy, the TV series. I wasn't going to watch the spinoff, but then I did. And they did more interesting things with his character. Because when you have... I don't know why his character was so popular that he got a spinoff, but whatever. (laughs) Because when you have a character on a show that is like the broody, angsty, mysterious person, they can't be the protagonist of another show because there's nothing else to them. Mm -hmm. Um, Thankfully, for the first several seasons of Angel, at least the the writers were able to turn that around and make him into his own character. And it became good and interesting. And I actually love him, but I don't like him on Buffy because Mm -hmm. he didn't have a character. His character was hunky broody guy (laughs) that showed up at the uh, teenage bar they hung out at and then disappeared in the alleyway with Buffy (laughs) longingly staring after him like, that was his character and I didn't understand it then and I don't understand it now. I... (laughs) I don't even think he's that attractive. Whatever. His hair is too spiky. So. (laughs) Okay. I just need to interject this because I'm actually going to go into it further later. But like, why do all male vampires have to be angsty with spiky hair? I don't know. I don't know. There's some vampire rule that says that you have to use gel. I. It's so weird. And they all have the same jaw shape. Oh my god, they do. Yes, they do. Anyway. Ugh. So, their relationship in in Buffy, I'm I'm real sorry. If you want to, like, skip me talking about this because you love them, go for it. No bad blood. They don't have one. They don't have a relationship (laughs) in Buffy. She's 16 years old when the show starts. They actually do a flashback to the time when Angel saw her for the first time. He was, like, she was shown her by a demon, and it was when she found out she was going to be the Slayer or something. And she was, like, I think she was, like, 14 in that flashback. And he saw her and there was something about her and made her, made him fall in love with her. Mind you, at this point, he has been alive for hundreds of years. Yeah. I just don't understand that creepy behavior being romantic. I I get the romantic of like, oh, there's something about that girl. But I don't do love at first sight. Mm -hmm. And I don't do this creepy weirdness of like, she doesn't know that this dude is just watching her and will, in a couple years, show up to prey on her. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> ugh. And, like, don't even get me started about the fact that they can't bone, otherwise he'll go insane. What? <sighs> I have a, I mean, I, I could fucking have a podcast where all I talk about is, like, this stuff. I will be so interested when we watch Legend of the Seeker to hear how you compare... Because I didn't know that there was something keeping them apart other than, oh my other God. than tension. That's going to be so interesting. That, I, I wonder how it will compare because I really like the way Legend of the Seeker handles it, as I mentioned in our last episode with Richard mm-hmm. and Kaylin from that show. Yeah. I have not seen Buffy. I've seen, oh, okay, I've seen enough of Buffy to know what, what Jen's talking about. I, I never really got into Buffy. I didn't know that Angel and Buffy had like a magical force keeping them apart so that's mm-hmm. interesting and and i could maybe we'll go into it more in that episode because i it, i could i could honestly go go on about it and it would bleed into like stuff that has to do with angel the series and angel and cordelia and it's a whole fucking thing but the bottom line for me is that angel doesn't have a character they give no reason for why buffy falls in love with him or why he falls in love with her for that matter their relationship 
they don't have one and then and then they do and it's like too much and then they bicker a lot and that's that's the i'm sorry that's the story of their ship Mm -hmm. and then it's supposed to be this like tragic thing like so he like leaves and and leaves her to her life which is like for the best Mm -hmm. not only that but like i don't like who they are when they're together yeah. Like, I like the characters separately. I mean, I don't like Angel when he's on Buffy the show. Because when he was on Buffy the series, he didn't have a personality. I've said that a million times. Whatever. But I love Buffy. I love mm. the character of Buffy. I don't like who she is when they're together. Like, when they're in a relationship together. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't like how they are together. Yeah, I totally agree that sometimes certain characters just... Like, I don't know why, but sometimes the default of writing them together makes them worse. You know, mm-hmm. just like with, with people, certain pairings of real people, if you put them together, they just bring out the worst in each other. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. I think that's fair. And that's that's what I see when I watch Buffy and Angel. And I mm-hmm. I just don't like it. I don't think it's romantic. I don't think it's... I don't get the mysterious, broody, angsty, angsty guy. And like, that's... <laughs> like, all of a sudden she was in love with him. And it's like, you never talk to him he always shows up says something ominous and then disappears and she, and then she's in love with him like that's literally what happens yeah so whatever <laughs> okay so i think that this one is actually going to surprise you a little okay i'm ready uh the next item on my list is leonard and penny from the big bang theory interesting yeah so i have been watching the big bang theory pretty much from the beginning and I do, I do like the show. It's problematic, especially now in the current climate. Mm-hmm. Um, that show just doesn't hold up as well. Um, it has gotten better in some regards. Like certain characters have gotten uh, less obnoxious mm-hmm. with regard to how they act around women. However, if you'd asked me like three or four years ago if I liked Leonard and Penny, I would have said yes. Um, I actually really liked them for a while. And I think that one of the things that the show has done really well is make Penny a great character. She starts off in the pilot literally just being a ditz, you know, but Mm -hmm. as the show progresses, she really becomes this strong character who has a well-developed personality, who deals with like real issues of just figuring out what the fuck she wants to do with her life, you know? Like, she moved to L.A. to become an actress, and that fails for her, and she never becomes an actress in the show. She actually switches careers, and I think that that was really interesting to explore for her character, and her character showed real development, and I think in part, um, that's because Kaylee Cuoco, her the actress who plays Penny, did a really good job adding personality to a relatively personality-less character that mm-hmm. she was handed in the beginning, the the character Leonard, however, <laughs> uh, kind of degressed in some ways. You know, he their relationship is a little problematic from the start because he is in love with Penny from the moment he sees her because she's the hot girl next door. Mm-hmm. I think Penny really loves Leonard. I'm not totally sure if I can see why Leonard loves Penny mm. other than because she's hot. Yeah. Now, that's not... That's not always the case. You know, there are times when he does things that are really, really sweet for her. Like when she was in like the final stretches of her acting career where she was like throwing herself into it. She like quit her job waitressing so she could really throw herself into it. He bought her a car so that she could get to and from auditions, you know, because she mm-hmm. had to sell hers so that she could right. <laughs> pay bills. Live. And, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that that was very sweet of him to do. And he does do a lot to like take care of her when she's kind of going through that time in her life where she's trying to be an actress and just like not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's not like I think he's just there for the sex. But what really kind of ruined that relationship for me is the fact that they get eloped in one episode. And that was fine. But on the way to Las Vegas, where they're going to elope, Leonard confesses to Penny that he cheated on her. And this is the second time in the show that Leonard cheated on his partner. It's the only time so far that he cheated on Penny, but it's the second time he cheated on a partner, like, in the show. And that means that it's a pattern. Yeah. With his character. I didn't know any of this. (laughs) Yeah. He cheated on um, his girlfriend Priya a few seasons prior with, you know, like, the sexy girl who shows up at the comic store. What a pretty name. Yeah, so... That kind of ruined their relationship for me because yeah. I, I used to really like Leonard's character. 
he was pretty much the only dude in the show who I didn't think was kind of sexist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And now I'm just like, I don't know. Like, as because I said, it's become a pattern with with him that he cheats on his partners. And I'm not down for that at all. Yeah. And like I like I said, I really come to think that Penny has grown into a really strong character and I like her a lot. And I like, no, don't don't cheat on Penny, you Mm -hmm. know, especially considering Penny, who is whose character when they first started the show was supposed to be this like hypersexual, you know, mm. like young, fun loving woman, uh, has been nothing but loyal to Leonard. Mm-hmm. Like there has never even been a temptation to cheat plot with her. Yeah. Ever. Whereas with Leonard, there have been multiple occasions where ex-girlfriends have shown up or where, you know, stuff like that. So it just it it gave me a gross feeling and i'm not there for it you know i I mean like i don't know i don't watch the show but boy that sounds like a little bit of wish like gross wish fulfillment on the writer's part i i don't know like yeah i i i see what you mean i really don't know what was going on in their heads i there's a lot of debate about that show as to whether it's like nerd blackface or not i don't think it is i think that a lot of the people who work on that show really are nerds but that being said, nerd culture is pretty problematic in and of itself. Yeah. You know, like, it could still be problematic and still be, like, faithful to, to like, how nerds are. Yeah. Because the, the trope of, like, the nice, friendly nerd guy who just wants love has always been a lie. You yeah. know? And he... he- he is a nerd, so yeah, <laughs> that doesn't mean that he's not like shitty. Also, exactly. Like we really should watch and talk about um, Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, because do you know what happens in that movie? I, I actually heard it discussed on an episode of Harmon Town, where um, yeah, yeah, I yeah. remember the the guy who played one of the characters. One of the characters is they discuss it. Yeah. What happens is there's this jock guy, and he has a really hot girlfriend, and um, the plucky, nerdy best friend of the hero is dressed up in a costume, and, I don't know, like, goes to this jock guy's girlfriend, and she thinks that he's her boyfriend, and Mm -hmm. they have sex, and then he takes off his mask, and she's like, oh, you're not my boyfriend, but that was wonderful. No, okay, no, yeah. that's rape. Yeah, that's definitely rape. And I think in recent years, we've kind of start to realize that, like, that that's not okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot about that movie that's supposed to be not okay. I don't know a lot oh, about yeah, it. Oh, yeah, no, it's, I watched it in college. Did and you I, really? Yeah, and, like, I, I thought it was okay, but, and this is even before I really started to get woke get woke about <laughs> stuff like this before culture our culture in general yeah. did you know so like the, when big bang theory started i think it was it was a different time we you know like we we weren't woke <laughs> as, yeah. a, as a society really so this show about these four geeky guys who don't know how to act around girls was a little more acceptable mm-hmm. and i wish that the show could do a little more to grow with its audience and with society mm-hmm. because you know some of the characters have grown a lot as i said with penny it's not like they're incapable of doing it right and they i, I just haven't seen that happening so it's not as easy to watch as it once was that's kind of how i feel about how i met your mother like i said with barney mm-hmm. when that show started we were more comfortable laughing about oh haha it's so funny that he cons women into sleeping with him mm-hmm. but when you watch it now it's like oh it's a little icky yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah i i totally get it i don't know if you're gonna like me <gasps> oh no uh okay so my next one is mindy and danny oh no from the mindy project Okay. I really like The Mindy Project. I think it's a really important show. And I think it's important for women because it does such a good job of painting women as sexual beings who are allowed to have sexual relations with men, multiple men even, but Mm -hmm. still be considered kind of like innocent in a regard. You know, Mm -hmm. Mindy really um, is kind of innocent. Mm -hmm. And so I never was totally on board with Danny. Really? Yeah. And we've talked about it a little. I I kind of accepted him at a a certain point because there were times when he would do things that were sweet. 
But I had a problem with him from the start because I think he has some really gross ideas about women. Yeah. But he also uh, had this real inability to fully commit to Mindy before she got pregnant. Mm-hmm. That's true. And that is one of the things that can really ruin a dude for me. Like, I, the ships that I ship the hardest, in general, it's because the dude is, like, all in. You know, because that's, that's like, gross, you know? And I think it's a problem in real life, too, with a lot of younger guys who just don't want to be all in. Yeah. Which is fine, but, like, then, you know, be upfront about it. Mm -hmm. I don't think Danny is. I think he's a little, I think he's very wishy-washy with her. And this really interesting thing happened where, spoilers, um, in one of the more recent seasons, I think the season from 2015, maybe it was 2016, whatever. Mindy is with Danny. I don't remember if they got married or not. I think they were just engaged. Mm-hmm. But they had a kid together. And Mindy decides to leave Danny. And I remember feeling like, oh, no, no, don't leave him. And I kind of had to, like, look inward and confront my feelings about it. where I Because I, I realized Danny wasn't right for her. He didn't treat her the way she wanted to be treated. He was trying to get, tell her to give up her career for him. Mm-hmm. So he she could raise their child because he decided that she should be the one to raise their child. Mm -hmm. He tried to get her pregnant against her will, Mm -hmm. which is not okay. Yeah. So she, she left him and I was upset about it, but I realized it wasn't because I liked her with Danny. It was because I didn't want Mindy to have to be a single mother. And that is really why I think that this is such an important show because Mm -hmm. it, from that point on becomes about Mindy still trying to find love in this crazy world as where, a single mother. As a single mother. Yeah. And I think that that's so important, you know? And I, I'm i sad that I even felt that way, but I think it kind of speaks to the idea that we have in our heads where, you know, single mothers are out of the dating pool to an extent. Yeah. Um, she's, she's no longer the stereotypical love interest, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, we've made some progress Mm -hmm. in determining what that means but outside of romance because there is a huge market for romances about single mothers and romance novels and i just i don't read them because that's like not my bag well i mean you don't relate as much Yeah, yeah yeah but i think maybe i should try to like challenge myself to read some not not necessarily like the harlequin presents like the yeah. you know like the the five cent like mm-hmm. <laughs> one out every week type of books but um yeah I, I i think i should challenge myself to read more of those because when i was brainstorming for this episode and i thought of mindy and danny and i thought of this this thing that happened and the way i reacted to it i kind of realized that I do have that hang up still and it's not one that I want to have, but it is one that I instinctually have where I'm like, no, I want her to be the romantic interest and I want I want her to like be the heroine of, of a romance, you know, mm-hmm. because that's kind of the foundation that the Mindy Project is built on. That totally, she's yeah. trying to be the heroine of her great you know, Rom- romance, romance. romantic comedy. Yeah. yeah, I was afraid that she wouldn't be able to do that anymore. And that was proved wrong. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, it's interesting. <laughs> Rachel said that she, I was gonna not like her because I was a big fan of Mindy and Danny. I am removed enough from it now. We haven't talked about the show in a while. Yeah, I'm removed enough from it now. Full disclosure: I'm not caught up. I, I still I. need to catch up. <laughs> Neither am I. I. Yeah, I'm removed enough from it now that I I'm okay with it. I think my thing about Mindy and Danny because you're right, Danny. Is super problematic in regard to like women and the way he treats them and how he thinks of them. And I think, I think I wanted his character to be one thing, but as the show went on, it should have become clearer and clearer that that was not how they were writing him. Mm-hmm. I wanted him to get better. I wanted him to learn, you know, I, I wanted, I wanted that. I wanted growth. Um, and that's not really what we got. Yeah. And you know, I think that the writers, they're fantastic writers. It's not its not the fault of theirs. It's just what I wanted because I decided I liked him. Yeah, no. Um, I, I just think that the writers were very smart in realizing that that was the direction they were going. Even if it, Absolutely. whether or not it was intentional, yeah. they went with it and they addressed the problems 
that came along with it. Definitely. You know, which is why Mindy ended up leaving. Right, yeah. And when that happened, I felt it coming. Mm -hmm. And I was really upset about it, but I did feel it coming. And I remember the moment you were referring to, because when it happened, when she made the decision, I was upset, but also I did kind of feel like I knew that that was what needed to happen. Yeah. Um, Because it was what needed to happen. I didn't like what was happening with Danny and I didn't like what was happening in their relationship and how he was treating her. Um, And it like made me really upset because I did really love them. I put some blinders on when when stuff wasn't great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I totally get where you're coming from. Um, In the grand scheme of things, it was absolutely the right decision to have her leave him. Mm -hmm. All right. How about... How do we as a society collectively feel now in the year 2018 about 500 Days of Summer? I actually haven't seen it in a really long time. I know her name is Summer. (laughs) Yeah. Um, They have a relationship and then they don't. Mm -hmm. And he's really bitter about it. And then the movie ends. (laughs) I think that's what I remember about it. But when that movie first came out, uh, as a culture, we kind of had this obsession with it, mm-hmm. I feel like. Especially, like, younger people, our generation, probably. Um, people really romanticized that movie, so I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, no, <laughs> because it wasn't a romantic movie. Mm-hmm. Then I realized that I thought it was unromantic on purpose and that people just didn't get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of like Wuthering Heights, how people romanticize that story. And it's like, what? No, mm-hmm. like, I feel like the point of 500 Days of Summer might be that it's not romantic, mm-hmm. but people just don't get that. But I, d- I haven't seen it in a really long time, and I just, I don't know where we are as a society with it at this point. <laughs> I can't really contribute much. I remember being tremendously bored watching that movie. It's not an uh, exciting movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I wish I had had time to, like, rewatch it or something, because I feel like it would have been an interesting topic for this topic. I don't know. I just, I, I remember railing so hard against, against this movie because everybody was so, like, obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. They just, they thought it was so romantic, I felt like. Like, in my high school, I think it came out when we were in high school. Mm-hmm. And I feel like everybody was like, oh, 500 Days of Summer. And I was like, ew. <laughs> it surprises me some of the things that people cling onto as romantic yeah icons i guess yeah. in our in our culture um you know romeo and juliet which we were both like we're not going to talk about romeo and juliet because that's the low-hanging fruit yeah. but but just because it's on topic let's now just, <laughs> let's just acknowledge it yeah real quick um you know it, for centuries that was always romantic yeah it was always considered so romantic like what a tragic romantic story but it's not it's, it's not. about a 13 year old and a 15 year old who like Make a terrible, dumb kid decision because their parents are so irresponsible that they can't settle this, like, generations-long conflict between these two families, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting to me because I, I've noticed stuff like that happen, you know, along with, like, Wuthering Heights. And yeah, I know that there's another example somewhere. Of course. <laughs> I'm not good at lists. What's your excuse? I hadn't thought of this topic until just now, this one second. <laughs> and I also tend to, like, rail against things. Like, people had a hard-on for 500 Days of Summer for, mm-hmm. for like, an entire year. Yeah. And um, so I do tend to rail against that a little bit. But I watched it and I was like, there's nothing romantic about this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, because it isn't. And then I, I realized that, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I realized that I think the point of the movie is that it isn't romantic, mm-hmm. is that he is bitter and not a good guy and and that and that maybe people just don't see that. Mm-hmm. And because they people tend to romanticize things. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. Okay. Uh the next item on my list, and this is going to start a rage fire in Jen at just the mention of what this couple is from. Uh, I'm gonna agree um, with you or No, you're just going to have a fire a, a fire of rage started in <laughs> in you from the mention of what this couple is from. Okay. Uh, Sandy and Danny from Greece. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I have a long and complex history with Greece, the musical, and the movie. As as most young women in our culture, I grew up loving it. I knew the whole movie by heart. I knew the whole soundtrack by heart. And I think that that's pretty typical for a lot of people and Mm -hmm. a lot of people really have this like 
deep-rooted love of Greece. I don't think Bacon there's- Bacon a- Greece. <laughs> hey <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> Uh, I don't think that this is a story for the modern age. No. No. <laughs> I really don't. So, for those of you who are under a rock and don't know, Greece is the story of an Australian girl who is in the United States for some reason over the summer, and she meets this boy, Danny, and they have, like, a very innocent, charming summer romance. And they're both 30-year-old high schoolers. Yep. <laughs> and then... She is going to go back to Australia, but plans change. And she actually, her family actually ends up moving to the States and she gets enrolled in high school. And it just happens to be the high school that her lover boy, Danny, goes to. But at high school, Danny isn't the uh, charming, considerate and sweet guy that she had grown to know over the summer. He is, you know, one of the popular boys, and he's like a bad boy, and he smokes cigarettes outside, and you know, whatever. Wears a leather jacket. Yeah, whatever. Dances on cars. Yeah. <laughs> he's lightning. <laughs> <laughs> but but Sandy is still the innocent, sweet little perfect angel that she was. So this show, this this, this movie, and the the show it is based on are. Just so chock full of really, really sexist, antiquated ideas about women. And, um, you know, there are some people who are like, oh, this is a commentary about how women have to change and for for men or whatever. No, Maybe, it's not. I mean, you could, I guess you could make that analysis, but that is like a really shallow analysis. If anything, I think it's more of a commentary on. And unintentional commentary on how toxic masculinity can influence a person. But any type of commentary it can be is definitely unintentional. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. Because <laughs> what ends up happening is that Sandy, well, she she meets Danny again, but Danny is unable to be the sweet guy because then his friends will judge him. So instead, he's just like gross. He tries to change for her, but that doesn't work out. Like he tries to try out for sports and, you know, become the type of guy who could be with her. Which, you know, at that point, it seems like this movie's going in the right direction because, you know, not that men should, ha- anyone should have to change for anyone else to be in a relationship, but Danny was being a shithead. Yeah, like- <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, so, the movie is so fucking weird. He doesn't need to play fucking football or basketball, whatever it is, to be the guy that she fell in love with. He just has to not be a fucking asshole yeah exactly like, that's the thing he's not he, he he's not like self-assured and brave enough to act like his genuine self in front of his fucking buddies yeah and what ends up happening is um <laughs> it's so stupid like there's a school dance and this other 30 year old woman shows up <laughs> from like from like their rival high school and she and danny have a history or something and yeah. like they he, danny who has gone to the dance with sandy like abandon Sandy so that he can dance with this other girl in a dance competition yeah Yeah. and and like Sandy's like heartbroken yeah but what ends up happening is she goes and changes who she is and becomes like a bad girl and literally gets sewn into a Mm bodysuit because the zipper broke that is a real fact about that movie um you know she she gets her hair done up gets like a bunch of makeup put on starts smoking cigarettes so that she can be the type of woman who can be with Danny because Danny can't change for her mm-hmm. and i just think that like that's not a good story you know like that's not romance that's first of all if if either of them has to change that much to be together then they shouldn't be together yeah but also Danny isn't being who he really is, you know, when he isn't surrounded by his high school and his friends, he was a nice guy and he was good to Sandy and they had a good summer romance thing going. So it's not like it's not he he isn't being his genuine self anyway, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's not like he would have to change for her. Yeah. And that's what bothers me that because he doesn't want to be his genuine self, he in order to be with her, he kind of has to force her to not be her genuine self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just, I have so many problems with that, <laughs> with that movie and with the show it's based on. The show is worse in some ways. 
Yeah, especially for a movie and a, a musical that is so like family and kid friendly that we show to kids, but the but the moral of it is change for your man, wear skin tight pants and smoke cigarettes. Yeah. And he'll drool over you and problem solved. Yeah. Like that's insane. <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. the resolution of that movie and we're showing it to our young kids. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do we want to talk about how we're hypocrites? Sure. Go listen to our very first episode, This Guy's Got Magic, uh, where we talk about the character of Rumpelstiltskin from Once Upon a Time. Once Mm -hmm. Upon a Time is finally ending, thank God. I don't know if we... I think we lightly touch upon it in the episode, how, you know, the relationship between Rumpelstiltskin and Belle is super problematic. Mm Mm-hmm. But we love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we do not enjoy the relationship between Hook and Emma. That was literally the next item <laughs> on my list. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk together about how we're hypocrites. Why are we hypocrites? Well, I, well, a lot of the reason I don't like Hook and Emma together is because of it, a lot of its like problematic aspects. Mm-hmm. Like, Rebel Stiltskin and Belle isn't that much better. Well, the reason that I don't like Hook and Emma has more to do with the fact that um, I don't think that they have a ton of chemistry as characters. Mm. You know, especially when compared to the other two potential love interests that Emma was presented with. Oh, God, Whom yeah. she had pretty good chemistry with. Do you remember Handsome August? Yes! It, like, her and August, I shipped really hard. Me too. I don't really like Hook. No, me neither. <laughs> um, which we talk about in the episode. Yeah. And... Also, okay, we're just gonna go there because I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be vulnerable and I'm gonna say it. Um, I'll catch you, Rachel. Well, no, just <laughs> I'm flawed. I'm a flawed person. Yeah. I I have a devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other, as we've mentioned. <laughs> we need uh, a, like a musical sting for that. Yeah, say it a lot. <laughs> so, um, I I was saying this earlier. There are a couple of things that you can do that make me not on board for your ship, and you know, it's not always the dude. Like, we talk a lot about, sure. like, what dudes we like, but, you know, that's... We also talk about how much we love female characters, so maybe we maybe we should, like, emphasize about how we like them within a relationship more. Yeah. But anyway, Rumpelstiltskin is really, um... I want to say loyal to Belle, but that makes it sound like he uh, doesn't lie to her a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he is not unfaithful to her. Sure. How yes. about that? He's yes. not he's not like a roguish like, oh, there's another lady over there. Mm-hmm. Um which Hook kind of is. Yeah, I don't know about after being in a is he still like that when they when Hook and Emma are like in a relationship? No. Okay. But he did steal a dude's wife. Yes, he stole Rumpelstiltskin's wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that has anything to do with our thing. <laughs> no, but also I just don't really think that Hook is um that interesting me neither i think he's kind of blah he does try to kill emma in the beginning which you know maybe i shouldn't be as bothered by as i am considering that rumpelstiltskin kidnapped Belle, but he didn't try to kill her yeah (laughs) he treated her pretty well while she was his prisoner (laughs) (laughs) i i really maybe i have to like rewatch the show which i don't want to do yeah uh, to like really get to the bottom because like i don't I don't hate either character. No. Like, I actually really like Emma. Me too. Um, And I don't hate Hook. I just don't like him. But I yeah. just don't like them together. Same. Same. I, I don't I don't understand his character. I felt like they tried to do something with him that didn't work the way they wanted it to. Yeah, I agree. They, they were really trying to make Captain Hook sexy, which could be interesting. But that's mm. not, like, a character trait. Like, right. That that's not like a that's not a three dimensional character like yeah. sexy yeah you know? <laughs> exactly and like and- <laughs> that was he grew f- from there but he grew into like I don't know they were trying to make him ugh, I don't know help me I I don't know but I know what you mean like yeah. I don't I don't know how to express <laughs> it but I know what you mean yeah he, so I might make some enemies here I've made enemies today. <laughs> Han Solo and Leia? Yeah, don't, don't, I'm not really down for it. The 80s were a weird time. 
Mm. There was like this huge backlash against feminism. And this is really when you start to see the trope that is persisting stubbornly today still of the um, the fact that like female characters, especially female love interests, have to be blah. Mm-hmm. And um, not that it didn't exist before. Like, I, I don't want to mislead anyone. No, for sure. Yeah. But uh, I think the 80s was a really bad time as far as because pop culture was becoming a thing and because media was becoming so big, the the portrayal of women really started to kind of solidify where women were kind of objects, you know? Yeah. In media. So you get a lot of these female characters in the 80s who are just furniture. And Leia was such a great character in the first in episode four. Um, I think we talked about this in a previous episode, how she started out super vibrant and like full of sass and she grabs a gun out of some dude's hand and just starts firing it, you know, and like, that's cool. That's fun. And she's sassy and she yells and she's like, I'm a princess. I'm here to like save people, you know, Mm -hmm. never deals with the fact that her planet gets blown up. Just want to say that, you know, she's got she's got a character there. And Mm. then as as she as the series develops and she gets with Han Solo and starts to fall in love with him like she kind of just becomes furniture and her character kind of devolves into like this blah 80s female character trope and whereas han solo remains the you know the rogue and the 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 fun ass kicking swashbuckler even to the point where when he gets frozen in that block of ice or whatever and she's like i love you and he goes i know like what an asshole yeah but like yeah. And I'm not going to lie, that line definitely has something to do with why <laughs> I'm not all down for this couple. But, you know, I'm actually really happy with the way the um, the sequel trilogy has been, has has so far dealt with Han Solo and Leia's relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, spoilers, they broke up, mm-hmm. you know, after having a child together, which is interesting to me. And, like, there was still some, like, you know, longing between them, I guess. I don't know, but mm-hmm. whatever. I just, I'm not, I'm not really there for it. I don't think that they have a ton of chemistry as characters. And I, I, in general, I'm really down for the princess um, and like the swashbuckling rogue trope. I think it can be done super well. Like look at Rapunzel and Flynn Rider from Tangled. Even the, what are their names? The princess and, um... What's his face from Spaceballs? I was just thinking of that. Them. They were actually not bad. Yes. You know, like yeah. I like them more than I like Leia and Han Solo. Yeah. So my last one is um, to kind of go back to what we were discussing with uh, Buffy and Angel. Mm-hmm. Um, Stefan and Elena from The Vampire Diaries. Interesting. I really liked The Vampire Diaries for a now, while. Who are they? <laughs> <laughs> Stefan had spiky hair and a square jaw. okay and elena had a long straight black hair and a heart-shaped face she's very pretty is Um, it um nina dobrev yes okay nina dobrev that's and then the guy who isn't in the summer yes okay i will full full disclosure here i actually do like stefan's brother damon with elena a little better in summerholder yeah there is there is a love triangle going on there um and yes Damon's character is angsty and brooding and broken. <laughs> but you know what? He's not whiny. And Stefan is. The Vampire Diaries, if you don't know, is a CW, was a CW show about this girl who is a 16-year-old who just lost her parents. And um, the this this hot guy moves to town and he... You know, they're instantly attracted to each other. And this is Stefan, but he's a vampire. And um, then his evil brother shows up and his brother is Damon. And they both kind of are in love with this girl and they kind of fight over her and whatever. Um, It turns out that she is like a doppelganger of the woman who like seduced them both and turned them both into vampires in the 1850s. And neither of them really got over her. <clears throat> cool. But also they both hate her because she like fucked their lives up. 
And the CW does this amazing thing where they can, like, take the most ridiculous situations and make them compelling and interesting somehow without being, like, totally, like, okay, this is too dumb. I can't watch it. Um, They do it a lot and they do it pretty well. And I started out really liking Elena's character, but, like, (laughs) with time she got super annoying and, like, uh, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I have the same problem with Stefan and Elena's relationship that I, that you did with Buffy and um, Angel in that she is 16 and he's 150 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not cool. Mm-hmm. And also, okay, even though Damon is like kind of evil, he's actually more respectful of Elena in some ways than Stefan is. Stefan is very controlling of Elena and bossy and sometimes tells people not to go near her without like her without her knowing, you know, like he'll confront them and be like, stay away from Elena, you know, and Mm -hmm. like he does it to Damon and Damon and Elena um, develop kind of a very shaky friendship over time. And eventually they end up getting together. I stopped watching the show after a certain point because like, how many times can you turn someone into a vampire and then kill them and then resurrect them and then kill them again? Like some shows are just on the air for too long. And that has been kind of a central theme to this episode, I think. A little bit. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So I I got a little tired of (laughs) that nonsense. So Stefan can be very bossy and controlling of Elena at times. And I didn't like that. I also thought that he was super boring and super whiny. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at least Damon can be, like, funny. You know, like, at least he can, you know, make black humor jokes about the situation. and, And I think he genuinely does love Elena. That being said, he does some very problematic things. Like, he, um... It sounds like they both have a super unhealthy relationship with their, like, weird obsession and not getting over this woman. Yeah. Like, that's a super (laughs) unhealthy situation to be in. Oh, it is. I mean, vampires have the ability in this universe to compel people where they can, like, just tell them to do something and they do it. And, like, there are ways to defend yourself against it, but if you're not prepared, then... You're, like, fucked. And, like, obviously that can lead to some really rapey situations Mm -hmm. with certain characters. Sounds pretty yikesy. Yeah, it it gets problematic at points. So, like, Damon's not perfect. I just, I was never really there for Stefan and Elena. I thought they were, like, super boring. I thought he needed to actually smile once in a while. (laughs) And, um... He does kind of stalk her a lot in the beginning. What is it with vampire dudes being stalky, like broody, and with spiky hair? I I don't understand. Like this all these all happened within the span of ten years. You know? Yeah. Did did like I don't know where it started. You know? Like if you look back at the first vampire literature, like Dracula and shit, like they're not vampires are just nasty looking. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when did, like, the hot, hair-gelled guy who watches you while you're sleeping become, like, a common vampire thing? I don't know. Ugh, I hate love. Love hurts. Love hurts. (laughs) That was fun. Yeah. To complain (laughs) for an hour and a half. There, okay, there has been so much in these past couple episodes that has hit the cutting room floor that has just been heartbreaking to me. This different format we tried out was fun, but mm-hmm. but difficult. Yeah. I'm missing our old format where me we too. kind of go in depth about, yeah, like one specific form of media. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, I'm not good at lists. <laughs> so... <laughs> Maybe we'll revisit this format again, but in a couple weeks, back to your regularly scheduled Optiot. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of Optiot, if you want to check us out online, <laughs> you can find us on our website, one person's trash is our treasure.com. Nerd. <laughs> you can also get us on Twitter. We're at Optiot. That's O P T I O T. And we're on Instagram at Optiot Pod. Go subscribe to us on the podcasting platform of your choice. Yeah. And, and if you like us, leave a review. Yeah. We like those. Yeah, we do. <laughs> they, they sure help. <laughs> and by podcasting platform of your choice, I mean only iTunes or Google Play. Yeah. We're real sorry about that. <laughs> Bye.
have to get as far away from you as possible. Fine with me. <laughs> well, maybe we should actually do the podcast. Like a like, last minute or a uh, last minute. <laughs> You're laughing. <laughs> Keep playing. It's me. I'm happy. I'm yep. from home and I. So cold, let me in your window. <laughs> like, so. like, Dean had already done that. Sam, stop copying your brother. No, but literally. I oh, know. Boy, we could talk about Supernatural. Yeah. <laughs> More often than not, they write him as the whiny, I'm a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <sighs> Don't come for us. <laughs> Dean's better. No. <laughs> Rachel. My turn. Yep. Uh, I don't have one. Um. <laughs> because of the fact that the writing was already not good. Yeah. And that the show was already like. Going downhill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we finish each other's sandwiches. <laughs> the yep. show sounds like utter trash and I have never wanted to watch it more. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Till next time. I'm Jen. And I'm Rachel. And we are Optiot. Oh, technically we're one person's trash is our treasure, but you get the idea. I really like that we've... <laughs> okay, we bye. Just, bye. <laughs> I'm tired. Me too.